Incoming transmission. The Klingon word of the day is hot diba. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. So, this is a huge victory for the good guys. Scotty, beam me up. Resistance is futile. They're long and prosperous. Greetings and welcome to the Computer Resume Podcast, the show covering the entire Star Trek franchise in chronological order for fans new and old. I'm your host, writer-comedian, Mr. Todd A. Davis. The future rolls towards us. I face it for the first time with a sense of hope, because if a machine, data, can learn the value of human life, maybe we can too. Back on the show for the first time since episode 25, over a year ago. It's Andy Cummins! Yay! Yeah. <laughs> how you been man uh, i've been good how have you been good good i hope you i hope you like the terminator reference like I do. Alter, altered altered for you a little bit you're, yeah. a big, you're a big data guy like i gotta have you on to talk about data yes yes brent, brent spiner at least brent, you know hey uh, brent spiner is data and and data's creator and so much more so yeah. you know of course i love that dude yeah man i've it's, never met him in real life but oh, you know maybe who knows one day I, <laughs> I saw a video of him floating around the internet the other day again and he was talking about uh he was talking about season one of tng and yeah. he does his picard impression and it's spot on it's so good and he's so funny <laughs> uh i i would love to meet that dude sometime because it just seems like just seems like he's got some real comedic chops and i mean i mean he's known as like stage and television actor guy yeah but like he's he's got great comedic timing and he's got a face that's just so animated and so watchable like um i had on in the background today uh the episode data lore where we mm-hmm. first encounter lore yeah and uh seeing him you know play off of himself and uh as lore i was just like damn he's a good actor yeah <laughs> so good it's, it's crazy to see him go from like being able to be stoic like like just deadpan yeah no emotion and then basically psychotic yeah <laughs> like, yeah, I mean... yeah like like on the low and again like with the pale face and everything like it wouldn't take like everybody talks about the actors that they would love to have played joker yeah i think brent spiner has to be on that list oh that 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 would be that would be interesting yeah especially especially now that he's especially now that he's older um him playing an older joker would be pretty awesome that'd be that'd be awesome yeah Yeah. that would be (laughs) (laughs) who do i who do i have to pay (laughs) yeah Who can, who can make this happen for us? <laughs> Just a fan film. I don't care. It doesn't yes. have to be major motion picture. It can just be a fan film. Make it happen. Oh, yeah. Like, well, I, I and I feel like I feel like he's the type of guy that if there was somebody that was just like, hey, 
it's we're shooting over a weekend. We'll fly you out. We'll put you up. We'll feed you the whole thing. All you got to do is wear some green makeup in your hair. You, yeah. you don't even you don't even have to shave. Like we'll put yeah. we'll put the green stuff in your beard and just you know we'll just have you be this older version of Joker. Yeah, um, I feel like he's the type of guy that digs the fans enough. I mean, and, it, and it's like oh, and it's not data. Okay, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, like the character he played in Independence Day was like borderline there already. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> so, Doctor so like, Oaken. Yeah, yeah, Dr. Hogan. Oh, so like like I don't I don't think that that would be uh difficult for him to pull off in the yeah. slightest. So yeah. that'd be great. I I would, I would really I would really dig that. That would that would be really cool. <laughs> so dude, uh yeah, over a year since you've been on the show, it's been probably a month since I've seen you. We were talking before we started rolling. Um last time we saw each other was when I went back to stand-up comedy after 18 months stuck in the house yeah <laughs> you've been, you been you transitioned from like like really making a go really like pushing hard towards comedy to making it more of your hobby slash stress mm-hmm. relief stress like slash therapy yeah. you know therapeutic uh yeah. activity in a, <laughs> is that, in a is that way. fair to say <laughs> in a way yeah like first of all like it, it's it, therapeutic is is important it's not it's not my therapy because as you know from many times going to an open mic there's a, a difference between a therapeutic activity and then people who go and try and use an open mic as their therapy session yeah like, hey let yeah. me tell you all of them i'm gonna try and make you laugh and tell you all my problems <laughs> and it's like oh no that's uh, did you at least try and make it a joke yeah <laughs> oh no <laughs> yeah exactly like, oh. for an awkward five minutes yeah uh, here's five minutes of you had to be there like yeah <laughs> oh I mean, man I, and hey you know as somebody who's who did it for a long time like you know i've i've made that mistake yeah. but you know you learn quick <laughs> or you just yeah. stop so yeah. But yeah, now it's a yeah, it's a hobby. It like I like I like making jokes and I like making people laugh. But also, the uh, there's a lot of uh, trying to do it any kind of in a, in a professional sense or even like being booked on shows and and all that kind of stuff. It's it takes away from it because it's uh, it makes it work. Yeah, and, yeah. And like you know, and, and to me, I, like I I can't. <laughs> I can't separate uh, something that's supposed to be fun and, and, and enjoyable yeah, and then make it work. And it's, it's just going to be, it's eventually it's going to not be fun and enjoyable for me anymore Yeah, just because I, I have to do it at that point. And oh, yeah. part of the joy of doing open mics and doing comedy is like, well, I don't, well, I have to do it if, if I don't want to. Oh, I don't feel yeah. like going up tonight. Oh, that's fine. You can't, be booked on a show and be like well i've been planning on being on this show for six months walk into a room and see that and feel that everybody in that room is going to hate you and be like i'm not not doing it and people they're not going to be happy with you if you go oh, i'm bailing yeah yeah it's um, yeah it's once you're you kind of have to and that's that was something i always did with new comics 
because mm-hmm. uh, I always I always appreciated when someone, whether I asked them to or not, would give me like unsolicited mentorship of like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Any any advice you got, please. But I was always the guy. My mentor, my mentoring, like took the form of questions because yeah. I feel like nobody really asks these questions of comedians to get them to think about this sort of thing. Yeah, and um, you know, asking like, okay, so what are you looking to do with this? You know, where yeah. where where do you want to go with this? Is this a is this a one time bucket list thing for mm-hmm. you? In which case, Godspeed, yeah, absolutely, yeah. go have for fun. it. Have have yeah, have fun, <laughs> whatever. But like, if you're, you know, if you're approaching this with like, oh, it's my first time on stage. My Netflix sh- my le- my Netflix special is happening next month. Like. Okay. All right. All right. All right. And like, like, like everybody, maybe. you know, <laughs> yeah. Cause people look at folks like, uh, Taylor Tomlinson who yeah. brilliant writer, really great performer, very, yeah. and, and like very young, but everybody forgets like, Oh, she's been doing this since she was a kid. Like yeah. she's been doing this for at least 10 years. Yeah. Um, and, and that tends to be, I mean, Kevin Hart, same thing. He goes, it took, I think he said it, t- it took me a decade to become an overnight success. Yeah, the the uh, it's the biggest misconception of stand up comedy is that like once you're once you're known, like the majority of the people who like latch on to you all of a sudden because you got big. Yeah. Just assume that, you know, well, yeah, you've just been doing that since the first time I saw you. And it's yeah, like, <laughs> no, like this person's been through hell. <laughs> <laughs> Like there's, I don't, I, I don't honestly, I don't think that there's a single comedian like that, it, that I know of who has not gone through some kind of, you know, Drama. just like shitty uh, stage in, in that any aspect of the career of doing it. Like my whole thing, like I've, I, after talking about it with a lot of people, I realized it really kind of, shut it down for me was Mm. uh like i've come to realize that like i've got uh like i have adhd i have uh a a few we'd say mental health issues but they're not like nothing really bad but like one of the the main things that messes with me a lot is intrusive thoughts and uh you know if i have negative experiences uh, i have a very uh very negative ego it's very strong so if something bad happens, like I will remember that more intensely than uh, great things. Like oh, yeah. good things happen to me. I'm not going to remember it as well as the horrible things. So I know for a fact, like I've had a lot of great experiences uh, when I was doing stand up comedy. But the two things that I remember the most have been uh, the times that I uh, I was uh, given death threats so i was like okay yeah you know that's why i don't that's probably why i don't want to do this anymore is <laughs> i just yeah. don't want i just don't want that to happen again right uh, right it's not worth it like i'm just trying to trying to make some jokes and all of a sudden somebody wants to kill me over it and it's like yeah yes yeah uh, what even not even worth a joke that was worth <laughs> yeah exactly and look life life is so stressful enough I, you know one of the ways to relieve that stress is when you come home from a comedy show you turn on turn on your favorite program and kind of zone out now you admitted before we uh started rolling 
that you've actually steered clear of Star Trek for a while and you're watching yeah. what and what are you watching now? Uh, me, me and my wife, we are watching Lost. Oh, see, and... I've, I've referenced Lost so much while we're while we've been talking about Enterprise just because it uh, enter, uh, Enterprise happened pretty much just before Lost started. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think this kind of, you know, this Star Trek, you know, Enterprise sort of fell into the category of transitioning out of episodic and into serialized storytelling, which Lost is yeah. kind of the benchmark for yeah, the, re- the like reemergence of serialized storytelling on television. The longest movie in history. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, you know, interesting, interestingly enough, I've talked with so many Star Trek fans of, you know, of varying ages, but a lot of the, I'll say it tends to be the more younger Star Trek fans. When I ask, you know, their first experience or their first memory of Star Trek, uh, ends up being J.J. Abrams Star yeah. Trek, the, the Kelvin timeline, which yeah. is which is it, look, it's all it's all Star Trek, yeah. <laughs> but it's yeah. kind of fun to know that and then go back and watch Lost mm-hmm. and maybe even Alias and kind of see the progression of the filmmaking technique from that early television stuff into the Kelvin timeline. Yeah, um, it, it's really fascinating. I dig because again. And a lot of people, you know, a lot of people want to jump down Kurtzman's throat because he's kind of he's the Kevin Feige of New Trek. Yeah. But I, I want to say, you know what? Um, JJ actually had a lot to do with it, too. Like the aesthetic, the aesthetic of New Trek totally stemmed from the Kelvin timeline. Yeah. Like, um, uh, like I especially watched... with Discovery, especially yeah, with like, yeah. Discovery and Picard. I've tried to keep up with Discovery. And uh, as far as it goes, like, uh, Honestly, like if if I if you didn't tell me that J.J. Abrams wasn't like didn't have his hand in the production of it and the visuals, I, I would be like, oh, he totally did. He totally did. And it's yeah. like, yeah, it's <laughs> it's based off of like it's following the movie, like because as far as it goes, the movies uh, have been really successful and they've been really good. And I mean, there's a fourth one. There's a fourth yeah. one coming. I want to see more of them. Yeah, absolutely. That I, you know, especially now that because uh, the last one um, came out quite a while ago, so now yeah. um, the cast is, you know, time keeps moving on. The cast is getting older, so it might be interesting to... to see an older Kirk maybe yeah. transitioning to Admiral Kirk. And we're gonna have to have the Celsius timeline. Yeah, Fahrenheit <laughs> timeline. <laughs> what other? <laughs> What other temperature-based timelines can we have? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's it's fun to see. It's fun to see those types of things. Uh, you know, one of the things uh, with these particular episodes of Enterprise that we're talking about today is things that they reference in the future. You know, we've got these three chapters here that um, you know that reference things from TOS, that reference things from Wrath of Khan. And of course, reference things from the next generation, which yep. will happen, I guess, a couple hundred years. I guess it's roughly almost 200 years before next gen happens yeah. in the timeline. Well, let's just say it's uh, one or two generations. Uh, something happens, right? Exactly. Like, uh... <laughs> exactly. What was, uh, you know, because you you dove back into these uh, pretty recently. What was your mm-hmm. initial reaction uh to these three episodes because they kind of watch they kind of watch like 
a Star Trek movie, like a, you know, just mm-hmm. a, a broken up Star Trek movie. What was uh, what yeah. were your thoughts? Just cursory thoughts of these three episodes. I mean, honestly, like but this is the first it was the first time that I'd seen these three episodes. So, oh, OK, cool. Uh, yeah. Like uh, and honestly, like I was kind of just I, first episode was like, OK, I need to. I gotta watch this for the podcast. <laughs> like, not that like I I, I wasn't gonna enjoy it, but it was like I gotta watch this for the podcast. Then it hit the end, and I was like, well, I gotta watch. I gotta watch the next one. And I actually planned uh, on Wednesday I was gonna watch the two, and then yesterday I was gonna watch the third one. And it just got to the point where I was like, now nah, I gotta, I've gotta watch. I've gotta finish it. Like I've gotta finish the episode. Like because to be honest, like they were, they were so well paced. Like it's, and I mean, to be honest, like there was a lot of information that they were trying to, to throw in there. And surprisingly, it felt like they needed more time to really, it deserved more, it deserved one more episode. Like you yeah, could, uh, they moved, they the, moved uh, through it pretty quick. That second episode, I feel like could have been two episodes. And then they could have done a third, like the, the finished it off with a fourth, but like, especially, especially like, I mean, once we, you do, we do the recaps and everything and talk about it. Like, uh, you know, I, I can, I, I can explain my feelings on that a little bit better, but, but yeah, man, like I, I just thought it was, you know, I, I really just enjoyed the fact that it's like a history of, uh, you know, data's creator Mm -hmm. and kind of what pushes him in that direction because like you don't i don't i don't know if they talk about it in uh tng like it's been so long since i've actually seen that if they ever really bring up the fact that like this happened or if this was you know writer's afterthought of like hey what could push him in that direction but Yeah. yeah yeah i feel like it it made it made sense because like, yeah, in a way song, song uh, was yeah, kind of an ass, <laughs> but like at the same time, like the level of genius that he was kind of gave him a little bit of credence to being an <laughs> But then on top of that, like uh, it's the whole thing of like, just because you're really smart doesn't necessarily mean that you know the best decision to make. Like you can't see the future. You can't, you don't know everything that happened in the past to, to make the right decisions. And sometimes you, you know, uh, good intentions, man, like constantly and like throughout life, uh, the older I get, the more I learn. It's like good intentions. I mean, Hey, it sounds great on paper. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know it's 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 what they paved the road to hell with, and you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so make a lot of mis- you make a lot of mistakes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Good intentions. Yeah, and we see over the course of the last three seasons, uh, Archer is certainly not exempt from the making bad decisions category. Like he's yeah. made his fair share of bad decisions, and uh, Doctor Sung, yeah in any in any era has made uh poor decisions based on 
uh, you know, personal drive and uh, his ambition uh, to create something and leave a lasting legacy and all of that stuff. And of course we get to see sort of the, uh, some of so you know without getting too spoilery we actually get to see some of the uh results from the previous uh iteration of dr sung from picard sort mm-hmm. of manifested here on enterprise and uh yeah but before we get into all of that let's get to this week's recap brought to you in part by our patreon supporters rev j jerry antimano cosmic crit Whoever dropped $5 on the sidewalk outside of Longhorn Steakhouse in Commerce, Georgia. And Fred and Ren Sims. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Brent Spiner joins the crew of Enterprise. Permission to come aboard, sir? He's Earth's greatest mind. A genius who knows no mercy. Looks like he might have saved Earth for nothing. And he'll kindle a hatred that will last for generations. Two of my people just disappeared. They're dangerous at the future. Part of the Star Trek saga you never knew. Start learning how to speak Klingon. Star Trek Enterprise. A pair of humans take control of a Klingon ship after killing the crew. Roll opening credits. It's been a long, long... Amid threats and protests by the Klingons, Starfleet tasks the newly refurbished Enterprise to stop the culprits. Archer visits disgraced scientist Dr. Arik Sung, imprisoned for stealing embryos of genetically enhanced humans, referred to as augments, and transfers him from a holding facility. On board... Soong soon realizes his augments are responsible for the actions on board the Klingon vessel, but doesn't know why. He convinces Archer that he will be able to order his children to stand down without a fight. Yeah, right. Enterprise enters an area of space known as the Borderland. Ah, ah, he said it! He said it! Between the territories of the Klingons and the Orions, they're attacked by two Orion vessels, and several crew members are captured, including T'Pol. They're taken to a slave market, and Archer is forced to ask for Sung's assistance to rescue his crew. After entering the market, the ship is able to beam most of the crew back, but when they try to release to Paul's restraints, all of the prisoners in the slave market are released, and chaos breaks out. Sung also attempts to escape, but Archer quickly returns him to Enterprise, where he demands that Sung take him immediately to the Augments. Sung refuses. On board the Klingon vessel, it's clear that the Augments consider Sung to be their father. In a power play, the Augment leader, Rakeen, is tricked by his paramour with purple panties, Persis, then killed by his brother, Malik. I fear you're underestimating the sneakiness, sir. The Bird of Prey approaches Enterprise, saving them from a second Orion attack. The ship docks, and Malik requests the release of Sung. Archer refuses but Malik forces him to comply. With Enterprise disabled, Sung announces that they now need to go and retrieve the remaining Augment embryos, numbering almost 2,000. And then... With every great discovery comes a threat of great destruction. UPN Friday, 
One man with the secret to life itself has created an unstoppable dream. This only ends one way, Doctor. Prepare to be bored. Thousands of pathogens stalk you. Which one will kill you first? Brent Spiner returns in a continuing Star Trek event. You son of a... Actually, Mother was a chemist. Star Trek Enterprise. After Sung and the Augments escape, Archer and his crew proceed to the coordinates Sung provided earlier. How convenient. On Trialis 4, the away team find an abandoned building where the young Augments were raised and schooled by their father, Sung. They also capture a banished member of the Augments named Udar. Doc Flox's analysis reveals that although Udar's DNA is similar to the other Augments, he has none of their enhanced abilities, except for superior hearing. Meanwhile, Sung and the Augments capture a Denobulan medical ship and use it to enter the medical facility called Cold Station 12. Yeah, yeah, there it is, there it is. They soon overpower security and capture the scientists there, including its CMO, Dr. Jeremy Lucas, Flox's interspecies medical exchange counterpart. Due to security protocols, tensions begin to surface between Sung and Malik as to how to coerce Lucas into divulging the entry codes. Malik convinces Sung to torture Lucas, and failing that, to expose a scientist to a deadly pathogen using a containment chamber. Enterprise gets within transporter range and beams a landing party, including Phlox, to the facility, and they're detected and captured almost immediately. Meanwhile, T'Pol, having lost contact with the team, attempts to destroy the station, but the Klingon ship intervenes. Malik uses Phlox's friendship with Lucas to finally coerce the security codes from him. Sung, who had previously stolen 19 genetically enhanced and frozen embryos from C-12, is now able to access the remaining 1,800, a carryover from the eugenics wars. Sung and the Augments then escape, but not before Malik kills Udar, helps himself to a number of pathogen samples, and sets the viral containment fields to fail. And then... Friday. Murdering hostages is turning into a new hobby for you. A biological terror strike that may destroy an entire planet. What you're proposing is mass murder. And fuel generations of hatred. Klingons will keep Starfleet busy for years. Surrender, or we'll destroy your ship. Brent Spiner returns in the stunning conclusion of a Star Trek event. Sung and the Augments, oh, that's why they call it that, he secretly raised, depart the space station, taking with them the frozen Augment embryos preserved from the time of the eugenics wars. What's up? You are selected. Malik also steals pathogen samples from the station and sets the containment fields to fail. Archer restores the stasis field around the central compound and is beamed from space to safety with the Enterprise in pursuit of Sung, Malik, and the Augments on their stolen bird of prey. Sung and the Augments arrive in Klingon space, where he shares his plan. Sung intends to hide out in a region, the Briar Patch, where Starfleet would have trouble tracking them down. Malik objects to Sung's plan, noting that Khan Noonien Singh also ran away on the Botany Bay. Enterprise arrives in Klingon space, having faked a Klingon warp signature. I fear you're underestimating the sneakiness, sir. Sung releases a hostage on a Denobulan shuttle into a gas giant. And so on. Forcing Enterprise to abandon their pursuit and mount a rescue operation. Escaping, Malik poses a new plan. Trigger a war between Starfleet and the Klingons 
as a distraction by firing a pathogen-filled torpedo at a Klingon colony. He reasons that Starfleet will be too busy fighting the Klingons to hunt down the Augments. Soon will have nothing to do with Malik's genocidal proposal. Meanwhile, on Enterprise, T'Pol asks Trip about the distance between them after her recent arranged marriage, and he tells her he's come to terms with their new relationship. Because now's a good time to chat about that sort of thing. Meanwhile, back on the Bird of Prey, Sung works on a way to remove aggressive behavior from the unborn augment embryos. Malik, concerned by Sung's plan to hide from Starfleet and his tampering with the embryos, leads a mutiny which confines Sung to his quarters. With the help of Persis, Sung leaves the ship in an escape pod. Enterprise, once again in pursuit, detects the pod and brings Sung on board. Hi. Heading towards the Klingon colony in high warp in an attempt to stop Malik's plan, the Klingons detect their ship. Uh, there was a firefight! Enterprise is forced to disable a Klingon cruiser when it tries to board. Malik kills Persis for her betrayal and continues with his plan to attack the Klingons. Scans of the Kuvat colony reveal three main population centers. The torpedo is armed with pathogens and prepared for deployment. Enterprise arrives late, just after Malik fires the torpedo, but Enterprise destroys it, saving the Klingon colony. Whoa, that was close. <laughs> Sung helps disable the Klingon ship, hoping to save some of the augments. However, Malik scuttles the Klingon ship, killing the remaining augments and the embryos, and transports himself onto Enterprise in an attempt to kill Sung in revenge. But Archer manages to kill Malik first. The Glingons call off their retaliation against Earth, and Sung returns to the Starfleet prison. In custody, he begins to doubt the feasibility of genetically engineering humans, and wonders if perfecting artificial life has better prospects for the future. Before I respond to that, I'll have to take an extra strength vitamin duh. Duh. So, like I said, and I don't want to spoil a lot of uh, Picard for you, but we get to see, you know, there's a bit of a time travel element and we get to see Brent Spiner reprise the role of Dr. Sung. It's just another member of the Sung family. Mm -hmm. And we see him working on sort of genetic experiments without getting into, like I said, without getting into too much detail about it. But this is kind of where that story picks up because we've seen him go from you know scientists in the thick of trying to you know uh, perfect his experiments to this guy who's trapped in a cell constantly wearing handcuffs but surrounded by pencil and paper notes and him just making all of these brilliant uh deductions and all of this stuff have you ever gotten have you ever become so obsessed with an idea that it's all you can think about? It's all you can sit and design and draw and uh, and doodle and write notes about? Have you? Has that ever happened to you? Uh, absolutely not. Uh, if you ask my wife, though, uh, I am lying. Uh, no, like uh, if <laughs> if I find a project that like I want to get it done, then uh there will there have been days that i will just be uh i don't even know like there's been times i've caught myself like oh it's been four hours i haven't stopped yeah. to get a drink of water yeah uh 
five. I mean, six hours, you know, uh, there've been time like, and I mean, as stupid as it is, uh, I'm going to take that back. Not stupid. Uh, as childish as it may seem like, uh, video games back in the day, man, whoo, oh, sure. like Skyrim came out when that came out, I, uh, got it at midnight and played it until I had to go to work the next day at 11 o'clock. So I got home at like one and just <laughs> loaded it up and started playing for almost, uh, yeah, about nine hours straight. Didn't realize like I just got obsessed with it. Yeah, I did that when I first got my Nintendo Wii. Yeah. I got it from a buddy of mine uh, who was the manager of uh, a local Toys R Us back in the day. And uh, he's, he called me up. He goes, dude, we got the Wii's in. Just get down here now. Uh, I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. And I got there and he and he knew I was a big, uh, he knew I was a big Star Wars fan as well. And so he slid me the Lego Star Wars complete saga. Oh, man. and I was just kind of like, dude, this is for little kids. I, <laughs> that's this is not what I'm about. He goes, look, I know what it looks like. I know how it seems. But I, he goes, but I know you trust me. You're going to love this. And I was like, <laughs> well, OK. And I ended up, you know, buying the system, buying the games, taking it home, setting it up. Yeah. I was like, all right, let me just go ahead and just right off the bat, prove him wrong. Yeah. Put in the game. <laughs> And then, and then my wife, my wife walked in and I was like, Hey, what are you, what are you doing home? And she goes, it's 6 PM. You've been, have you been, did you sleep? Cause I was working nights at the time. So I had gotten home at like 9 AM. Yeah. I had played this game all day long. Uh, <laughs> oh man. No, <laughs> like, no, no sleep. <laughs> I, guess, I guess this is a good game then. <laughs> yeah. a terrible game. Yeah. Well, there's been, and there's been times here more recently where I'll have, you know, some sort of creative project or a writing project, or I'm thinking about marketing for the show. And uh, I've got, you know, a little tour planned that I'm, you know, trying to iron out all the details for. And there's times where it keeps me up. Like my brain just won't start stop firing. I actually, uh, it's probably, it's that mindset that keeps me from actually doing projects a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. Because I, another thing with having ADHD, I have like severe time blindness. Mm -hmm. So it's like the idea of like, I want to, I want to draw. It's like, but I have something to do in four or five hours. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I'll be able to, to be aware when I need to stop. Like I have to set timers all the time. If I don't set timers, oh yeah, I'm screwed yeah. because I'll just, I will sit there and draw until my, like my handle cramp, I'll shake it. I'll rub it a little bit and I'll go back to it because like once I'm in that zone, I'm oh, like, yeah. I, I don't want to leave it. Because I know that it's going to be difficult for me to get back into that zone again because I'm going to be afraid to even start because yep. I'm going to get into a zone. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. When so. you hit, when you end up tapping a creative vein and it's and it's flowing, man, you just mm -hmm. want to you want to ride that wave yeah. as long as you possibly can, because you don't know you don't know when uh, the uh, the muses will smile upon you again. <laughs> well, and I'm. Like I, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back here, but it's like I can I can find the muse. I can find it. 
the issue is, is like, I, can I let go? Like, I can't let go of the muse. And it's like, I, got, I gotta go. I gotta go to sleep. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta get my eight hours in or, or I'm going to be, I'm going to be <laughs> at work tomorrow. Yeah. It's like, I, I, I'm almost, I'm almost jealous of, uh, of Dr. Soon, uh, uh, being in a, being in a prison cell and being forced like you got nothing else to do. Just, yeah. just embrace it. Yep. Nothing like, else to okay. do. Nothing it's but like, time. Can, can I get, can you guys, can somebody just give me food and a place to sleep and pen and a pencil and I'll, mm-hmm. I'll just have fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There is, there is something, uh, I remember I'll take it and burn it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. There is something that's very, uh, there's something that's very enticing about the, restraint you know uh the idea i think there was an episode of 30 rock where liz wound up she she had all these you know these dreams and desires of you know getting outside and you know wearing comfortable clothing and learning spanish and the whole thing and she works so hard and she ends up uh through different circumstances throughout the episode she ends up getting arrested and winds up on a chain gang and she's and she's thrilled about it because she gets to wear this orange jumpsuit and she learns spanish from the other guys on the on the chain gang and she's outside picking up trash doing the the things yeah doing the things all the things i wanted it's like it's like is it is it prison? <laughs> is, is it, it prison? I mean, it's is it's it? prison, but is it is it punishment? Like, yeah. Oh, is he yeah. Even really being. I mean, like the whole the whole thing when he's like, it's like, oh, you know, I just, you know, whenever I, whenever I'm just having like difficulty thinking of something, you know, I just like to plot a little escape, take a little, take a little getaway, and and once they put me back in here, I'm, I got plenty of ideas again. Yeah, it's back like, to work. <laughs> yeah, just let like. Put me in a cell with the stuff, like little, my creative stuff, and then like occasionally let me out to go and do some stuff, and yeah. then I'll be like, I'm, I'm done. I'm I'm recharged. Oh yeah, back well, in so I can actually get some <laughs> done. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, you hear about you hear about uh, you know different uh, folks who who check themselves in. I've always been fascinated by the folks who check themselves into a facility for. Yeah. A weekend, a week, yeah. Sometimes a month. Yeah. I'm like, that sounds, like that sounds kind of good. <laughs> like, like, yeah. What kind? Of, like, how much is this facility? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> like, I mean, like, like I know. you're not going into like the like you're not going into like the normal facility if you're just checking yourself in. You're going into the one where it's like like oh like this is yeah. just basically a staycation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, like, oh yeah, I'm. <laughs> I'm feeling a little crazy. Just, just let me let me just stay in here for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just the I guess you know there's that idea of just like oh the noise of life. If we could just if we could just turn that down a little bit for yeah. you know for a weekend or maybe a long weekend or maybe a full uh, week that, you know uh, and just sort of reset, recharge yeah. the battery and just kind of okay. I'm, I was able to read a book and get yeah. my feet up and relax and not look at my phone. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. Let me, absolutely. Uh, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> so let me yeah, ask, no. let me ask you this. Um, do you think the augments shop for those clothing, those clothing choices at a particular <laughs> place? Or, or do they is it is it like the holes in shirts and pants that we've that we've got today where it's prefab, or is it 
the the clothing yeah. cannot contain the power of the augment. Well, I think it's I think it's a combo of <laughs> of both fashion and bulk. Uh, I mean, I feel like obviously they were number like partially they were on that planet for so long. Like obviously those were futuristic kids clothes that were meant to be like hey ages one through 18 you know yeah and then after that it was like oh you're still growing a little bit like you're still getting bigger yeah now we got some stretches and some tears then on top of that fashion like you know you know you know once you're in your teen years like you know, cutting the holes in the jeans, like trying to add some flair to it. So I think some of it is by choice. Yeah. I think some of it's due to the fact that those are the same clothes that they've been probably wearing their entire lives. Yeah. Some deterioration from being stuck on a hostile planet and, you know, having to just, Hey, getting torn up on the rock and that's how like obviously the fashion starts one of them got like a rip in the in the knee and they're like hey that's kind of cool and then everybody else started following suit and it's like who's the leader now like yeah (laughs) yeah some it just takes one just takes Mm -hmm. one to be a trendsetter and then everybody everybody follows suit (laughs) i mean that's the thing i have a feeling that malik was probably like he was just like one step behind on fashion trends. That's, yeah, I was about that's to why say. his that's Who? why his brother was like in charge, and he was like, "If I, if I had just like, if I had come up with the mullet, if I had worn the mullet <laughs> first, like I they follow the, me, the, the piano key necktie." <laughs> <laughs> if that had been the case like you know that he would have been in charge the whole time he wouldn't have had to like do what he had to do to 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 get in charge but no he's just just he wasn't fashion forward yeah they could have gone they could have if if sung had just taken them to orion or maybe klingon for fashion week yeah just sort of curbed a little bit of this you know pent up yeah our artistic frustration that manifests itself into like disease warheads being shot at innocent planets. Malik, Malik, we could have avoided all of this. Malik just needed a positive outlet. Like that's, he, he just did not have a positive outlet. That's probably all it, that's what it's all stems from. I mean, that's, I mean, he, they didn't have anything. Like once soon was gone, like, like what, like nobody like they had to just like do their own thing and like nobody was like hey Mal- like Malik you know embrace fashion like you know you like it you know work on work on some clothes designs like Malik, I'd like to introduce you to this this, this 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 right. show from the old from old earth called uh, America's Next Top Model yeah. and uh, you know look at all these possibilities yeah. here for you man it's like, it's like <laughs> you don't stop have to pick- kill people <laughs> stop picking on Udar like <laughs> design some clothes yeah. udar's gonna do his own thing he's not into fashion he's into listening yeah he's really good at listening he is really <laughs> that's actually all he's good at that's uh, all he's good at. <laughs> he he could have been he could have been a great bartender like yeah you know oh man Just i'll be I, like i i honestly like i'll uh, of all the only part of these episodes that I was disappointed in was that they did not, uh, Udar didn't even get a chance. Like, yeah. Yeah. didn't even get it to, like, 
was like the only thing he got to do was like warn them. That was the only thing. <laughs> like warn them too late. <laughs> They're like, I am different. I can hear them. We're here already. <laughs> and then but after that, he basically like, was just like, oh, here they come. <laughs> it's like, hey, I'm going to go. I get to meet my dad and like, hey, dad, yeah. I love you. And then he's like, go and have a great life, son. And then his brother's like, fuck you, man. Like, <laughs> like, who told you you could come here? Like, <laughs> we left you there so I wouldn't have to do this. Exactly. And then, hey. they, and, and then they don't even bring him up later on. Like, I know. Don't even bring up the fact that it's like, did you not notice that Udar's not on the ship anymore? <laughs> come on, man. Yeah. Oh my god. Well, how did you feel about uh you know straying from the actual narrative? How did you feel because I know you're a big uh data fan, uh Brent Spiner fan, like how did you feel about the interactions between Scott Bakula and Brent Spiner, you know, as their respective characters? I like I really like it was it was really like Bakula, like uh honestly, like from watching some of like some of what i've watched of enterprise yeah like at first i was like i'm not gonna like him and then i got to the point where like i get this guy and i i I just feel like it was one of those things where it's like and soon was just like it was just way smarter than him like he just knew what he was he was doing but at the same time bacula was kind of the whole the whole thing of like he had more street smarts like the whole thing of like Hey, I'm gonna pull all this stuff to get away. Then I'm gonna try and climb over this this wall here. And it's like, Bakula's like, I'm just gonna climb up real high, and I can see where you're at, man. Yeah, there you are. <laughs> stop it. Yeah, just stop it, nerd. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's where that it's where that Captain America football jock kind of just like, yeah. Shut up, nerd. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, and like, I, it. <laughs> I felt bad for him for a, for a little bit about that but at the same time i was like man stop running yeah yeah they got you like yeah, you're not good you, man. <laughs> clearly you're not good at running you're good at getting out but you're not good at getting away because they yeah. keep catching you like yeah just, exactly just, what are you trying to do right now <laughs> what are you going <laughs> what, what are you it, it, you almost you almost say it like you do to like a, a pet or something yeah or, where are you going? Where are you, come, where are you? come here. Tussle so, your hair a little bit. Stop yeah, it. Come here. Come here. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, yeah. This, and, uh, yeah. This, these are these are a lot of fun. I kind of wish, uh, you know, because there's a there's been a couple of episodes of TNG, I believe, that they uh CBS Paramount ended up taking and combining a two-parter into um, you know, a more theatrical presentation. Mm. And making it more of a film, like a like a film presentation, yeah. and putting that out on like DVD and Blu-ray, I feel like they they could have done this yeah. with these three episodes because it sets up so many things for uh for Space Seed, Wrath of Khan, Next Generation. Like it really kind of sets things up, and I don't think that um, that Enterprise got that full treatment to really mm. make to really make it stick in that we may have gotten a season five. You know, one of the things that I think looking at Scott Bakula and Brent Spiner and the way that they're approaching these things, I think had this happened 
in season two, we'd have gotten a different response. But Mm. because this is happening at the beginning of season four, just after season three, which was the Zindi war, Mm. like Archer's been around the block a couple times by now. And he, and he fully understands the idea of obsession because he himself was so obsessed with the um with the outcome of the zindi attacking earth and then pursuing them into the expanse to a point where he was torturing people mm. and uh you know making some really bad decisions you know taking parts from other ships of people who are trying to get back to their home planet so yeah. that he can continue his mission yeah like i feel like he really understands sung because he's kind of just come out of that same mindset um i mean he i mean the obsession with the uh making humans better yeah the the all like genetic uh engineering and stuff like that because with dr flocks like apparently with the whole fact that their species had had perfected the genetic engineering Mm -hmm. and had like they didn't have the the flaws but it's the whole thing of like the the augment uh, the augment wars and everything like their whole purpose was not to make better humans they were making something that was better than human right and dr flocks like their whole species it was like it wasn't about making a better species it was about improving the species that they already were yeah and that was where it's like because they talked about i don't remember how they phrased it but uh uh the intellect catching up with the science Mm, uh the whole thing of all the augment wars really where they wanted to make perfect soldiers they weren't making better people yeah they're like we want something that's going to be a good weapon and when it's a good weapon it doesn't make a good a good person because a weapon is meant to do one thing and that's destroy stuff yeah so and uh, to to be fair and like in in dr singh's defense like he was trying to take those kids and like raise them to be good yeah but when he and when he was taken away like that left this situation like there, there's a void they don't mm. have that direction anymore yeah but also it's the fact that uh they kind of talk about like it's not really a nature versus nurture situation in their case it's it's a genetic predisposition to violence and aggression right yeah <laughs> and yeah. it's like um good like i figured out how to fix all your your brothers and sisters like all 1800 of them i can make them like to where they're like basically human beings but they're like really strong really healthy uh, they just don't have this aggressive tendency and it's like oh you don't want people to be bad like me yeah yeah exactly (laughs) it's like that's that's where the problem lies is like like i don't even understand i don't get the whole issue like why do they keep them why do they keep all the the, uh, like like why'd you keep (laughs) all the augment eggs y'all like that's they said we know what's gonna happen you said you know what's gonna happen they mentioned it's like well they weren't sure what to do with it i was like was there a did we hit that point again? Oh yeah. And, well, and I mean, it, it makes do you we hit. Do we hit the point where it's like, 
what is when does life begin when does life like, begin yeah i was just gonna say to, you guys haven't figured that out yet yeah oh man yeah oh man that spells disaster <laughs> like like oh man we're we're going through all of this stuff again with you know uh just just get rid of it yeah. <laughs> i mean and I, I to be honest i was just sticking with like the pathogen type stuff of like yeah because you know, like the cdc yeah they have all of these why yeah, <laughs> yeah. but like i on to, them for? To, a, to an extent like i can understand that because like you had kind of have to have those pathogens around to like if something pops up that's similar or uh parallel to it you got something to where you can start using to build off of to create cures and everything like that i right. understand that but oh, you got we got a bunch of fertilized eggs with with just angry super soldiers just waiting to get cooked up and yep sent out. Like, just wait, just waiting for Mama Hen to come sit on like, him for a little while. Did you guys <laughs> say that there was like a whole war and like yeah. these were the things and like you just hold on to him for some like posterity? Like yeah. is this <laughs> like is it like it's not? It's history. It's not hate. Like. <laughs> right right oh my god yeah (laughs) what's wrong what's wrong with you like get get rid of like (laughs) exactly and i mean and with with all of the with all the stuff that happened you know uh in this episode and especially the parallels that we can draw from current events yeah you ultimately come down to the question of who do we blame so with on that note, let's transition into our section that we uh, loving, lovingly titled, Who Do We Blame? You know, <laughs> behind the scenes. Yeah. Uh, Borderland was written by Ken Lazabnik. Uh, his first work, he's primarily known as a playwright, uh, but his first work was a theater piece from 1979 called African Jazz. And he followed that up with Black Magic in 1982, Harlem Renaissance Review in 1983, and Calvinism in 88, the last of which is a one-man show about former Minnesota Twins owner Calvin Griffith. Uh, His first book, A is for At Bat, A Baseball Primer, uh, was done in 1989. His first TV credit was on a show called Great Scott, uh, Season 1, Episode 6, Fyric Lyric, and that was in 1992. And he had a few uh, more one-off episodes. He wrote various wrote in various capacities on 32 episodes of Touched by an Angel from 1994 to 2003. Afterwards, he landed a gig as supervising producer on 11 episodes of a little show called Star Trek Enterprise, uh, beginning with season four premiere Stormfront, uh, which we discussed with film historian Justin Bishop on episode 70. And uh, it was also directed by David Livingston, whose last work on the show was season three, episode 22, The Council, which we discussed with TJ Surgeon from Verge Games back on episode 67. And then uh, for the guest stars, uh, we've got uh, J.G. Hertzler as the Klingon captain. We last saw him in season two, episode 19, Judgment, as Advocate Kolos, who represents Archer to the Klingon High Council. Uh, we discussed that with attorney Alex Kornfeld on episode 41. And after Hertzler's 27 appearances on Deep Space Nine, uh, he would portray legendary filmmaker Ridley Scott in The Pirates of Silicon Valley in 1999. And in 2000, he would be in Star Trek Voyager, season six, episode 15, uh, Sukatsi. Uh, that was in 2000 as a Hirogen hunter. And he would reprise his role as Martok 
in the video game Star Trek Armada. And then we have Joel West as Rakeen. He's an actor and model from Indianola, Iowa. Lots of uh, one-offs, including Felicity and Charmed. Uh, This is his only appearance in the franchise. And then after this, he would go on to 10 episodes of CSI Miami, uh, two episodes of Heroes, two episodes of Days of Our Lives. And then he would star in the film The Disciple in 2010 as Jesus Christ. Uh, His most recent is Two Ways Home uh, in 2019 in the role of Junior. And then we have Bobby Sue Luther. She's a Ryan slave woman, the first green girl, actually. So uh, most people might know her uh, as the host of Junkyard Wars from 2003, but she had a few other smaller roles. Uh, She played a new newscaster in Deuce Bigelow, European Gigolo. She was in season five, episode six of Curb Your Enthusiasm, The Smoking Jacket. She was also in Terminator, The Sarah Connor Chronicles, season two, episode five, Goodbye to All That. Uh, I loved I loved Sarah Connor Chronicles. Did you watch those? It was, uh, it was, it was such a ended good show. far too early. Yes. Oh, man. It broke my heart when they canceled yeah. that. Uh, but Bobby Sue Luther's most recent credit is Aftermath from 2014, starring, amongst others, Edward Furlong and Billy Baldwin. So, <laughs> you know, it's a real gem of a movie. <laughs> top, top notch. Exactly. And then uh, as Orion Slaver, number one, he is the seven time world champion, 11 time tag team champion, former intercontinental U.S. and hardcore champion standing at seven foot two, 500 pounds from Aiken, South Carolina, Paul Wright. The big show. <laughs> uh, notice that they credit him as the big show on the. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the big uh, show. The cre- yeah, exactly. Uh, but, you know, uh, you know, a lot of wrestlers kind of get a bad rap for uh, their uh, for their efforts outside the ring. But honestly, he's had a lot of fun roles over yeah. the years. Uh, in 1996, he was in Jingle All the Way as Huge Santa. Uh, he was in Waterboy as Captain Insano. Uh, he was in McGruber in 2010. And then he did a bunch of WWE productions like Knucklehead, Vendetta, Countdown, and Fighting With My Family, the story of uh, Paige and how she kind of rose to prominence in the WWE. It's actually a really good film. And uh, Marcus in 2020. Uh, so let's move on to Cold Station 12. Cold Station 12 was written by Alan Brennert. Uh, He was a writer on four episodes of Wonder Woman from 1978 to 1979. Uh, Good old Linda Carter. Absolutely stunning. Love her as Wonder Woman. Uh, He was a writer on six episodes of Buck Rogers in the 25th century from 79 to 80. He did 12 episodes of Twilight Zone from 85 to 89. Uh, 16 episodes of L.A. Law, uh, which he won an Emmy for Outstanding Drama Series in 1991. Uh, he was a writer of eight episodes of The Outer Limits from 95 to 2002. And this is his first of two appearances in the franchise. Uh, this episode was directed by Mike Vahar, whose last work on the show was season three, episode 14, Stratagem, which we discussed with TTRPG writer Josiah Martindale from Verge Games. 
And uh, in the guest stars, we've got uh, Richard Reinhold as Dr. Jeremy Lucas. Now, he's got quite an extensive resume. In fact, I counted 416 credits. <laughs> so is- I'm yeah the he, god of character actors yes he is he is one of yes he is one of the living legends uh he's got an amazing uh resume i'll hit just a few things here he was in joyride in 1977 glory in 1989 as the quartermaster uh glory of course starring matthew broderick denzel washington carrie Ulls, morgan freeman not a bad thing to have early in your resume uh, Fried Green Tomatoes as Reverend Scoggins, uh, starring uh, Kathy Bates, Jessica Tandy, uh, Mary Stuart Masterson, and Mary Louise Parker. Uh, and then his first appearance in the franchise was actually Star Trek The Next Generation, Season 5, Episode 25, The Inner Light from 1992. 1992 he played Bataille. That's the one where uh, Enterprise encounters this like floating... Uh, you know, this, uh, the satellite and it beams, uh, Picard and it, uh, beams this life experience of living with these people who have long since passed away. And it's where it's the episode where he learns to play the flute. And, uh, it's, it's one of those kind of tearjerker episodes, but it's, yeah. it's definitely, it's definitely a fan favorite episode. And then we have Kaj Eric Erickson as Udar. Uh, and he's most well known for appearing in 92 of 93 episodes of The Commish as uh, Commissioner Tony Scally's son, David. Commish, of course, was played by uh, Michael Chiklis. I really loved that show growing up. I just really dug it. He was just sort of this blue collar family guy, but he was the commissioner of police. Uh-huh. Um, then we have Abby Bramel as Persis. Uh, her first credit was Glory Days, season one, episode six, Everybody Loves Rudy. And then she would go on to appear in an episode of Birds of Prey uh, for the DC Comics fans out there. Uh, that was season one, episode 10. Uh, then this is her only appearance in the franchise. But after this, she would go on to four episodes of The Shield, speaking of Michael Chiklis. And uh, she would do 69. Nice. Uh, of 70 episodes of The Unit from 2006 to 2009. And then we've got Alec Newman as Malik, uh, most known for Paul and and Tritties in the Dune miniseries in 2000. And then uh, again in Children of Dune in 2003. And this is his only appearance in the franchise. And then after this would go on to eight episodes of Hope Springs, 10 episodes of Casualty, 48 episodes of Waterloo Road, and a butt ton of video game work, lots of voiceover stuff. Um, and then we've got The Augments, which was written by Michael Sussman. Uh, last he wrote on the show was season four, episode three, Home, which we discussed last week with actor, filmmaker Matt Jennings. Uh, it was directed by uh, LeVar Burton, aka Jordy LaForge from Next Gen. His last directing was season three, episode 20, The Forgotten which we discussed with podcaster Drew Burris back on episode 66. And then uh, rounding out the guest stars here, we have a gentleman named um, Brent Spinner. I think it's, is it Spinner? Um, I hope, I I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, As Dr. Arik Sung, his first credit is My Sweet Charlie, a TV movie from 1970. Uh, He was a local. Of course, that was uncredited. 
But then he would go on to three episodes of Robert Kennedy and His Times. That was a TV miniseries back in 1985 as Howard Lowstein. And then, of course, everybody saw uh, him as Bob Wheeler in seven episodes of Night Court from 1985 to 1987. And then shortly after that, he would land a small role as a Lieutenant Commander Data on a show called uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, which he would, of course, appear in 176 episodes from 1987 to 1994. So, uh, you know, we've got uh, some some good folks appearing in this. I, I, I would love to hear Brent Spiner talk about being directed by former castmate and mm-hmm. see what his experience was uh there on especially on a show that was not their star trek yeah um yeah he probably like he probably loved it yeah it was probably uh, a lot of fun <laughs> i would i would uh, i would hope at some point he was like i refuse to do anything if you're not wearing the visor <laughs> you have to like <laughs> absolutely have to wear the visor <laughs> i won't listen to you unless you're wearing the visor <laughs> <laughs> so uh as we do every week we've been asking this question is this essential viewing andy is are these three episodes essential viewing for somebody who is sitting down watching star trek for the first time and they come to these three episodes do can they skip these are these must-watch episodes for the narrative, for the series, for the franchise as a whole? Uh, what do you think? Uh, you know, it it depends. Like, it really depends. Like, I think if uh, I don't, as just for the franchise, mm. if you're just trying to like watch Star Trek, trying to get the story and everything, I don't think it's necessarily essential. Mm. but as far as um like as far as like the depth of character development and how how uh how good uh star trek writers and directors have been as far as uh building canon and building the like the the details of characters because um like this was obviously made after tng oh yeah and so you have it to where you in tng you meet dr soon uh uh, and like you know kind of who he is but you only know him because of of data you don't really know what drove him to move this direction yeah and this is what kind of is like this was the thing yeah like the his experience with the augments pushes him to like say i'm not doing i'm not doing genetics anymore i'm i'm gonna make life like yeah. i'm not gonna try and alter it yeah. um and it's like yeah i don't think you you're not i don't think you're spoiling anything with picard for me because um it's difficult for something to be spoiled for me but if if what i've implied correctly is that his uh ancestor had uh, a hand in the uh creation of the augment stuff so it's like yeah the whole story the way that the way that the writers go and like can work backwards and connect everything so well and then once you move into the future go back and take all of that and you know blend it in so well it's it's really like 
cool to see that kind of stuff happen. Yeah. And especially if you're if you're a fan of data and like me and you know really enjoy understanding the history and lore behind that character, it's important. If you if you're Wrath of Khan, if if like you're all about like Khan and yeah. This is I feel like this is essential because you kind of understand more of why in the original series, why aren't there any more augments? Like where did they all go? Why is right. it so important for Khan to save the few that are left? Oh, because Data's dad kind of screwed up and put all the yeah. eggs in one basket per se. Yeah, yeah, uh, and, almost quite, uh, almost and quite then, literally, <laughs> and then they had to blow it up uh so you know to us to an extent of like it really depends on how much you want to know the details but as far as if you just want to watch star trek and be able, like just enjoy it i don't think you need to watch these yeah but they were really good yeah like, they, they are pretty good you get some really fantastic performances i think as a bridge, you know, as a bridge, because as you know, as we're going through, I'm slowly compiling like the essential watch list. Yeah. And I think, especially when you look at the story of the Sungs, mm-hmm. um, you know, especially where, where we first encounter doc, the Sung family in next gen mm-hmm. and it progresses until we get to Picard and, you know, the events of season two, pretty much the entirety of season two of Picard uh, prominently feature Dr. Sung once again. Mm -hmm. And this, these three episodes really do act as a nice end cap to season two of Picard. So Mm -hmm. folks who are looking for additional viewing before, um, you know, before season three of Picard hits, I highly recommend these three episodes because it, again, it's a nice bridge from season two of Picard to these two space seed uh and then wrath of khan um you know i think if you're watching if you if you've watched season two of picard you could even start with broken bow the the pilot of enterprise just so you kind of know who the people are and what's happening and then you can almost jump right to these episodes yeah and know who everybody is and understand the stakes of what's going on um, because there's not much mention of the Zindi war or much of the other dealings that have gone on in the previous three seasons of enterprise. So, and of course, because broken bow prominently features the Klingons, that's another easy transition to these three episodes. And then mm-hmm. from there you can jump you from, from these three episodes, like I said, you can either jump to space seed or you can jump to uh encounter at far point where we, see data for the first time you know picking up wes out of the water in the holodeck and uh and striving to be human uh you know and having that first encounter with will Riker in the holodeck where he's trying to whistle that tune and just fascinated at humans uh so it's kind of it would be kind of neat to have these three episodes end and then jump to encounter at far point um but yeah i'm i'm seeing as i put together that list of like there's a bunch of different ways you can go and yeah. it's becoming more like it's actually becoming more like Dr. Who where mm-hmm. the, the prominent thought is, you know, for folks who are like, well, I want to watch Dr. Who, but where do I start? Like anytime there's a new doctor, you can yeah. start there. <laughs> um, 
but you know it's becoming that way with uh it's becoming that way with everything i think pre new trek like mm. new trek save for like star trek prodigy which is clearly meant for new viewers um everything other, outside of everything in new trek outside of prodigy is kind of contingent on you kind of knowing Mm. who these people are and what's going on at least to some degree um except for maybe discovery discovery starts pretty fresh um but everything else is kind of more for nostalgia just kind of like hey remember how you loved picard so much well here he is again and you Mm. know here's here's a bunch of star trek references and a cartoon and well and things like that one thing too is usually i i have noticed this about especially like um tng uh, Voyager, uh, Deep Space Nine. In the past, like if there is a cameo from a previous cast member, oh yeah, of a Star Trek episode in that episode, it's worth watching. Yeah, like it's gonna wind up being a pretty bomb ass episode. Yeah, like you can't, like you're gonna wind up being like, oh shit, like that was a good episode. Yeah, like that, you, that, you can almost it, never go wrong. Yeah. Like, <laughs> To, to that point, like I've been kind of obsessed here recently with the episode of Next Gen called Relics, where mm. they find the ship and then, oh, there's somebody caught in the buffer. Who is it? Mm. It's Scotty. And mm-hmm. you, get, you get, you know, yes. a lot of that episode is Scotty interacting with Jordy LaForge. And I think it's a commentary on uh, dealing with folks uh, who have Alzheimer's, dementia, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and then you get that really great interaction between Scotty and Picard on the bridge of the original 1701. And it's yeah. just, Oh, it's such a, such a great episode, but it's also a tearjerker episode yeah. and just, Oh man. So, so good. Yeah. So good. <laughs> well, dude, thank you so much for carving out the time watching these and jumping on yeah. here with me to nerd out about them. I really appreciate you coming on, man. Oh, it was great. I had a, uh, as just like last time, yeah, it was awesome. I I really enjoyed doing it. I hope I hope you had as much fun as I did. Which, oh yeah, you, know, you seem like you're having fun doing these. So <laughs> yeah, it, it's you know for as for as much work as they are, it, it, and it is. It's a lot of work to you know to research, to put the notes together, to uh, to schedule and to record, and then to edit and, and all that, and then promote afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot of work, but. I can think of a lot worse ways to spend my time. (laughs) I have an absolute blast and and dude, it's always good to see you. Well, next, next week we will be joined by my good friend, Mr. Fred Sims for family guy season seven, episode 11, not all dogs go to heaven, which of course is available with your subscription to Hulu. Uh, Andy, what do you have going on in your life that people can come check out and, and see you you've done some amazing artwork list. Your artwork is so fantastic. I, I, I want to, I want to feed you. I want to, I want to feed you some stuff right now. I don't know if you've watched star Trek prodigy, Mm. but when I look at your artwork, especially like some of the character designs and some of the creature creations you've, you've made, I was like, if Andy's not watching Star Trek Prodigy, oh my god! I haven't. That's the thing. I haven't. Like, I, I really need to like uh, do yourself uh, a favor and check yeah. it out. Sat some Saturday morning, pour yourself a bowl of cereal, and you and the wife just sit and watch Prodigy because I think you'll really dig it. it, it uh, I if, think I if will. If nothing else, if nothing else from just a design 
perspective. Yeah. But but what do you have going on? Tell folks about your artwork and where they can come view it and like it and share it and interact. Uh, with you. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, generally, uh, I've I've been posting uh, a post on Instagram. I have to eventually change my handle, but right now it's uh, at Andy's uh, amazing. Andy's amazing, um, yeah, Andy's amazing amalgamations uh, on Instagram. Um, I'm on Facebook. Uh, you know, if you find my uh, page on Facebook, you can always just uh, friend me. I'll probably accept it. Uh, the uh, I also have a page. It's uh, the name of the business that I'm starting uh, to put all my artwork under. It's called uh, Opal Phoenix which uh, uh, it's based the name off of uh, a, an old joke of mine. Uh, if you remember uh, uh, my gay truck joke. Oh, the prismatic flames. fire. Prismatic yeah. fire. That's yeah. where I based it off of is like Phoenix is one of my favorite mythical creatures. It's a firebird and uh, opal is a prismatic stone. So prismatic firebird. So I was like, hey, you know, this relates back to my old my old joke telling days and also uh kind of does that but right now i've uh generally just been trying to work on a lot of like sticker designs um like some of what i like one thing is i'm I'm working on a series of uh i call them modern modern day mimics so it's uh like the two that i have right now one is a soda can which was uh, uh suggested to me by uh, Fred Sims, uh, he's, he was the one who uh, nice, asked me to nice. try and do, do a soda can. Um, then I also, there's uh, my cell phone uh, mimic that I've, I've got done. And recently, just a uh, mutual friend of ours, Craig Holka, and some random joke on Facebook about muscle cars and the term muscle car just kind of stuck with me. And... <laughs> I decided to take a, a, a an old GTO and redraw it as a car that was made of muscle. So it's nice. uh, it's pretty crazy looking. Um, I've seen the progressions on that. Yeah, it, look, it looks fantastic. It, it is actually finished. Uh, it's it, like probably the most detailed thing that I've ever done. Uh, there's actually the interior is it's a hair lined interior. Nice. Yeah the the glass uh on it is uh based off of the uh sec like the secondary eyelid of birds how it's a uh, clear yeah, yeah. so it's like if you get really close up on it you can see veins inside of the uh the glass um oh, wow but yeah it uh <laughs> it took a while and um i'm actually uh, a downloaded um blender that's uh, a 3d modeling program i'm actually gonna you know take a shot at trying to see if i can make a 3d version of it and eventually figure out how to like 3d print it and do nice. some stuff like that um nice but, hit hit people hit people one more time with that instagram handle uh, uh andy's amazing amalgamations uh yeah that's it uh, it's it's a long one like i was like why did i do that to myself uh but it'll i'll probably change it to opal phoenix uh but that's uh, there is a facebook page of that i'm also uh on tiktok I, I don't get to do as many tiktoks as i would like because uh 
yet again, that's editing and yeah. a lot of a lot of work to do on top of doing the creating. Uh, but uh, that uh, I'm on TikTok at uh, uh, Andy tries to draw the number two tries to draw. Um, and that's where you can actually see uh, there's kind of a sample of the muscle car on there. Also, um, you can see my part of my uh, 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 Darth pool drawing that I've yes. done. Yeah. Uh, which that was a, a, a time intensive <laughs> project too. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's pretty much it like you can you know i still do uh open mics at coffee underground every once in a while you might be able to catch me uh telling a joke there um yeah i think that's that's about it that's <laughs> and i am at mr todd a davis on all of the socials from all of us at the computer resume podcast thank you so much for listening i'll see you at ted forward Like, rate, review, and share on all your favorite platforms. Feel free to send us your subspace transmissions to computerresumepodcasts at gmail.com or at Computer Resume on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. The Computer Resume podcast was created and produced by Mr. Todd A. Davis. Our logo was designed by Will Martin and Justin Bishop. The opening theme was produced by Justin Bishop, and our outro music was provided with permission by Dronode. Additional music was provided by Mr. Todd A. Davis and Gary Horn, and the voice of Computer Resume Podcast and executive producer, me, Kat Davis. Hashtag LLAP. We'll see you next time. Going through a Star Trek. We're doing Star Trek stuff in space. We probably got some phasers and shuttle pods, and we're going to find a brand new race. How's that for a slice of fried gold?